0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Colleen Johnson, and I'm here to guide us in raw conversations about thriving in life and work so that together we can step into personal agency and stop letting life happen to us. We'll cover topics like health, boundaries, communication, finances, and worthiness. That badass business you've been dreaming of, it's not so far off. The desire to wake up feeling fully alive it's right around the corner. Right. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited for today's conversation and before I get ahead of myself, what I have in front of me. So I actually have an empty tea mug in front of me today because I finished my tea before this recording. And then I have water as well. And I've got some crystals here. My dog is sleeping on the ground. He stole my blanket today. So he's got my blanket with him. And um, it's really fun because the guest that we have on today, Daisy, she and I have a similar color scheme around us. So I kind of have this burnt orange cushion on the floor with greenery and stuff around my office and, and she'll have to share a little bit about hers as well. So before um, before she does, I'd love to read her, her bio for you. So as a personal stylist, Daisy Gillespie intuitively guides her clients to discover what they feel best in. She helps them let go of the external messages they've been given about what they should wear and get to the heart of what's making them uncomfortable about their clothes. Through their work, building a functional wardrobe, Daisy's clients make a mindset shift from thinking they need to wear what's flattering to unapologetically taking up space in the world. After a lifetime of jobs in the high stress careers that didn't suit her highly sensitive introverted personality, Daisy started Mindful Closet in 2013 in an attempt to create more emotionally sustainable lifestyle. She has two boys, ages two and six, and a husband she adores who is well aware of her mental load. So, Daisy, I'm so excited to have you today, and I'm so excited to chat just kind of about this intersection of clothes and mindset. I love it. Um, so I'd love if you could share a little bit of where you're coming from and what you have in front of you, all of that good stuff.
1: Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me, Megan. Um, I am sitting in my basement office, which was kind of a pandemic Um you know, addition to our house. I mean obviously the basement was already here, but making this a space that I could work in was something that we, you know, made a priority then. Um and I like it because it's like the one space in my house that is just mine.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: so it's really lovely. And like you said, I have lots of plants and artwork and and lots of white walls, which are also my favorite. Um, and yeah. And because I listened to your podcast, I was like, I have to have a drink okay. by <laughs> so, beside me. So I have my decaf chai tea with honey. I love uh, that. Yeah. And, um, and I've got some water and uh, yeah, just basically like trying to uh, block out the chaos of the rest of my house.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. And also I love that you have a drink in front of you and now I drink all my tea. That's so (laughs) funny. And I love that you did that. Um, But yeah, it's so, so good to have you on and it's fun to, to be able to. So for folks who are listening, I'm also getting a chance. You have some fun artwork on the back of your wall. And I I love when I can see it, see into people's offices. I think it's just really fun. And I do, I love that. It's like a very simple like line drawing, which I appreciate, yeah. I love that. So as we dive in today, I would love if you could share with us kind of what did you have to, what is your story? What did you have to reclaim? Your bio is so intriguing because you came from the high stress kind of careers created this own space for yourself with the intersection of, of clothes and mindset um, but tell us a little bit of your story that it took to get there
1: yeah well I you know I think I have a similar story to a lot of women probably similar to you um, where we were good girls and high achievers and kind
0: mm-hmm.
1: of um, checking all the boxes and doing what everyone expected of us and the thing that I was good at and you know for a time enjoyed was um, performing classical music. So it was something I started mm-hmm. as a kid, and um, you know most people are aware that that's kind of like a, a thing that you start pretty young and then you kind of have to go all in on. Um, mm-hmm. And so I did that. Um, uh, but I I really you know looking back, it's it's just interesting to see you know much like how I try and get my clients to think about like why they wear what they wear, you know, it's interesting for me to look back and see like, you know, why did I go into that field? Was it because I loved it so much? Was it because I enjoyed it so much? Or was it because I was scared to get off that track. Is it because I was getting a lot of external validation for it? Um, is it because, you know, I liked being good at something? You know, obviously these are rhetorical questions and the answer was yes to all of them. Um, but yeah, I really ended up in that field um, for a long time, which, you know, you're kind of competing and auditioning and, and trying to be the best all the time. And there's really no turning off the pressure. Um, mm. You just, you, you kind of you could always be working to be better. I had a hard time being judged on my performances when I felt like, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't make me valuable as a human. So, so yeah, there was a lot going on there. And, you know, eventually I, I realized that performing was not the right, you know, avenue for me to be going down. Um, and so then I thought, well, I've got all this experience and I have all this knowledge and I need to use it because otherwise I will feel like that was wasted, Mm. Um, and so, you know, I kind of went into the field of arts administration and education and doing all the things around music, um, to try and use that experience. And it wasn't until I was in my mid thirties that I really got the, I mean, I guess the courage, I hate saying the word courage about myself, cause I don't think of myself as a brave person, but I got the courage to say like, none of these things are for me and, um, mm. I'm going to, I'm going to try something different.
0: Yeah. I love that. I feel like when when that precipice comes, when you have to choose something new, I feel like it's a mix of courage and a little bit of insanity. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that, (laughs) where you're suddenly like, this isn't working, going to try something new. And it's just like that one spark that you need to kind of Mm -hmm. get you to take that first step. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of other choices along the way, Mm -hmm. but that first one is so crucial. And it does take that little bit of, am I, am I going to, give myself permission to see something different, to try something different, uh, it's a little crazy. Like, yeah. I don't know. And so I I love that you actually use the word courage though, because it is, it is like, it's the crazy part and it does take a lot of courage. It takes a lot of resilience as well to keep showing up for that. So that's really, really beautiful.
1: Yeah. It was, it was hard. It was really like, I, I just really felt like, people I I had so many feelings about what other people would think you know that other people would think like what on earth is she doing (laughs) who is she to try this you know so it was was interesting
0: definitely well especially like you were saying before coming from a field where it was essentially when you were doing classical music you're supposed to get feedback from other people so then to suddenly be like actually I'm going to do my own thing that's a big step. Um, yeah, I'm sure a, a lot of folks listening can probably resonate with that because
1: yeah. yeah, that's so interesting. I never really put that part of it together, but yeah, it was, you're right. It was dependent on feedback and the feedback kind of determined your worth, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then to, to kind of go from, from, from that to something where I was depending on myself to tell, you know, what mm. was right it was really hard. I hadn't been using those skills, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. For folks listening, for for folks who haven't maybe reached that precipice yet where they've started to choose themselves and what lights them up. Can you speak to just kind of like what that was that experience right before you made that choice? What was that like? Kind of where were you at during that time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember it so so clearly and I was just I mean, to be perfectly honest, I had just been miserable for a long time and I was just kind of sick of being miserable. And Mm -hmm. I had finally started to do some work and some reading around, you know, just the type of person that I am instead of, I'd always really kind of chosen paths based on things that didn't necessarily relate to what type of person I was. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for instance, I'm, I'm highly sensitive, I'm introverted. Um, you know, performing in a situation where for one, there's a lot of loud noises. There's a lot of pressure, you know, all these things like this temper, the temperament that I have, you know, I've been that way since, you know, I can remember it wasn't anything new, but it was interesting that no one ever really, you know, it was like, oh, you have talent, you're good at this, but like, you know, what makes you feel good and grounded and safe? And I don't know, it was just something that I hadn't really considered around work you know around work we always think like well you know you know uh, you know what field do you want to work in or what kind of job do you want to do or anything but i just feel like the thing that a lot of us miss and especially young people who are kind of trying to figure this all out is like you know what kind of feeling do you want to have in your work do you want to be always on demand do you want to be you know having a lot of people depending on you do you want to have the space and freedom to kind of um explore things on your own mm-hmm. um and then and then the pace of it as well, I think is is really important. So yeah, that was that was something that like I was just kind of finally figuring out.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, and it's it's really beautiful to hear too. It sounds like a lot of giving yourself permission to just be you. Even like when you say like you're a highly sensitive person, that can be a hard with the culture we live in, that can be a hard title to be proud of and it sounds like it's yeah it's like this reclamation of i'm a highly sensitive person and actually that's a really beautiful part of me Mm -hmm. like i thrive in xyz environment but this other space actually just doesn't feel that great for me like Mm -hmm. it's it's very much like i i would say that i find myself often in that kind of highly sensitive person realm um to a certain degree in different spaces. But owning that and just being able to say, actually, I really like to have a lot of time by myself can be hard, especially in Mm -hmm. career, because we're taught (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. that
0: you're supposed to be able to handle all this stuff. Like You Mm -hmm. you can't be a high achiever if you can't handle stress or if you can't handle this specific type of stress. Really, it's actually, I can be a high achiever. And I will navigate the stressful spaces differently so that I can thrive at the same time. Like, it's just a lot of like shifting those perceptions and paradigms that were taught. It, it is the, like the whole yeah. piece is just a lot of reclamation that I'm hearing.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so glad you said that about, I mean, first of all, I had a lot of shame about all of it. I mean, I had shame about being highly sensitive because, you know, even, even, you know, this is probably 10 years later, even now, when I say that to you and I say it out loud, I still have a little bit of like, oh my God, people are going to think that's not a real thing. Why are you even saying that? You know, like I still kind of have a little twinge of that. And then, and then I love what you were saying about like stressful situations and how it seems that that's what we have to manage if we're going to be high achievers, you know, that's just a, that's just such a kind of capitalist grind culture thing that's drilled into us that you have to be constantly going. And, you know, and I just, after years and years of, of being exhausted and depressed, I was like, this is not working for me. You know, there's gotta be a different way. And, and then learning the things that drain me, the noise, the overstimulation, the pressure on situations, the groups of people, you know, even working in a workspace with lots of other people who are always kind of constantly talking to me, you know, all those things I learned, like, not only like, am I trying to do my best, but every time those things happen, I'm getting drained from them and not doing my job as well as I could. And, you know, how well could I do if I created a situation where I didn't have any of those things draining me?
0: But yeah, all of those things are just so beautiful. And just to come home to that space. So I would love if you could share a little bit, kind of like, so your story in itself is just beautiful. And I'm curious how you utilize that now as you work with clients, can you just kind of share a little bit about, about what you do and what that looks like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm a personal stylist and, you know, that's not a super common term, but what that means basically is I work with women to help them feel comfortable in their clothes. And, you know, in the nitty gritty of it, it means I help them define their style. I help them clean out their closets. I help them find pieces to add to their wardrobe. But the approach that I take is really about peeling back all the messages they've been given about what they should be wearing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just, you know, you know, off the top of your head, you can probably think of 50 messages you've been given about what you should be wearing. You should wear these colors. You should wear these shapes. You should wear this level of dressiness, you know, all these things. And I just don't feel like anyone can really feel comfortable in what they're wearing unless we've looked at all those things and acknowledged them and let go of the ones that don't feel right for us. Yeah. Um, And so to me, that's just such a direct correlation to like the things that I looked at with my work situation and let go of um, Mm -hmm. to, to uncover the things that really were me and, and worked well for me. So, yeah, that, that's kind of how I, you know, work with women is, is really talking about their stories. We talk a lot about, you know, how clothes paid a, played a part in their lives growing up, you know, as Mm -hmm. little girls, what were they told to do or wear and, and how did that change through high school and college and young working life and, it's really interesting kind of getting that narrative arc. You can really see where women have kind of created boxes for themselves that they felt like they needed to stay in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and it, you know, just acknowledging those sometimes it's possible to let those go and to pay more attention to what your inner self is telling you that feels yeah. good.
0: Yeah. What do you see as like the most common story or narrative that your clients are reclaiming
1: I mean, there are a few big ones, and I would say the biggest one probably is that we've all been given a story that our bodies shouldn't change over mm. the course of our life. And so, you know, the way that manifests is in women um, holding on to things that no longer fit and mentally beating themselves up because they don't fit, holding on to them as some sort of, you know, like unattainable goal to strive for. And, you know, and along with our bodies, like, our lives change, our styles change, you know, we're constantly evolving. And so, you know, I think just being able to accept kind of where we are in our bodies and where we are in our lives um, allows you to let go of a lot of that excess stuff. That's, that's really not serving you and even probably making you feel worse.
0: That's so true. And um, as far as that narrative, just about like, we're supposed to be the same or we're, we're just kind of, mm-hmm taught that if we don't change to a certain degree. And then there's, you know, all of the stories as well, especially for women around getting older. Mm -hmm. um, And there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the really interesting thing is that, you know, for some reason, again, I think we all and I'd be curious to know how this resonates for you too. But you know, I think we all feel like, oh, in high school or college, that was the size I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And there's no allowing for that to change um, Mm -hmm. over time. And so we're always kind of dissatisfied with where we are because it's no longer where we were. (laughs) Yep. But, you know, if we acknowledge everything that's happened in our lives since we were in high school or college, you know, obviously we're completely different people. And, and you know, if we had a new story that our bodies should change Mm -hmm. as we age and grow and gain new experiences... You know, I think women would have so much less um, shame around their clothes and guilt, and and would just be able to more easily have clothes that fit them now instead of kind of waiting for some moment when they're going to be back in a past body.
0: Mm, yeah. So with that, I really love I love where this is taking us. So, for example, for me, I feel like, and I'm I'm sure I'm not alone in this. Throughout COVID. I definitely gained weight. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a massive amount, but COVID was what it is and was. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's definitely been very true for me where I'm like, oh, I was really happy with where I was at. Like, I I mean, I, I still wanted to, even at the stage prior to COVID, I was like, oh, I should probably be mindful of of my my weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then throughout COVID, I ate differently. I engaged differently. And my body did change Mm -hmm. with what was happening in the world. And I know there's, there's like diet culture stuff there. There's, um, what it actually means to be healthy. And something I've come to accept was I actually had to respond to the world a bit differently last year because the world was different. So it's Mm -hmm. okay that my body changed during that time because I needed to take care of my mental health in a different way. I had Mm -hmm. to take care of my, my body just in a different way. I couldn't move as much because Mm -hmm. my body was processing a lot of other things in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, but for folks maybe who have had similar experiences where COVID maybe changed the size of their genes, Mm -hmm. do you have any thoughts or, or words for that?
1: Yes. I mean, first of all, it's totally normal. And second of all, it doesn't mean it has to be enjoyable. You know, Mm. I mean, you know, there's, um, there's a lot that I love about body positivity. um, And I'm definitely part of the kind of anti-diet culture. Um, But, you know, no one said that that means that, that it's going to be all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're super just like in love with your body. When things change, it's hard regardless, you know? Yeah. And so I guess I would, I would partially say, um, you know, all the things about your body has changed because you've taken care of yourself throughout a global pandemic. Your body has changed because you have different priorities this year than you may have other times. Your body has changed because you're getting older and that's a completely biologically normal thing to do. And I also always remind people, you know, if you wanted to devote, if you wanted your highest priority in life to be changing the size of your body, you could do that. Most people could actually, I I take that back. That's not true. Many people like it's just genetically set and that's the size of their Mm. body. But, you know, within our own variable um, weights, you could adjust it a little bit here or there. But what I really want people to think about, is that what you want to focus on? Is that what you want to spend all your time and energy on? Mm. And for most people, I don't think that it is. You know, It's certainly not for me. I mean, I have a lot of other stuff in my life that I'd rather think about than what I'm eating or how much movement I'm getting. Um, and so there's, there's all of that. So there's all of that kind of coming to terms with and acknowledging that you are where you are because of your what our lives have been like in the last year. And even it's normal to gain a little weight every year, regardless of of having a pandemic, you know what I mean? Again, Mm -hmm. just as women, that's completely normal. Our bodies change, you know, over time to make them, you know, more productive for childbearing. And then after childbearing years, they change again. And, you know, it's just all like a natural process. But after saying all of that, you know, I would say to also not beat yourself up if, if you're a little sad. You know, like changing is, is, is for me, not fun. <laughs> I don't enjoy it. My body's changed a lot. I've had two children. My body has changed rapidly this year as, as well. And it's not always super enjoyable. But bottom line, <laughs> in regards to kind of style and clothes, the bottom line is that wherever you are, in whatever relationship you are with your body, you you must believe that you deserve clothes that fit. Mm. And so that probably means that you need to give yourself permission to buy some new clothes. Um, Because I think above all, one of the things that women have been conditioned to accept is this idea that it's normal for us to be uncomfortable in our clothes. Mm. And that is, you know, something you could never imagine men settling for, you know, you could never imagine men wearing high heels for decades of their life. Like they just, I don't know about you, but my husband's like, no, if a shoe's uncomfortable, I'm not wearing it, (laughs) you know? Mm. And women, we're just like, oh, you want me to put on some Spanx? You want me to put on a pencil skirt? You want me to put on Mm. high heels? Those things hurt, but okay, that's what I have to do to fit into the kind of um, beauty standard.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: And so that, that ties into like, if your body has changed, you deserve to feel comfortable in your clothes. I don't think any of us feel good when our clothes are pinching or rubbing or squeezing in places that we don't feel good about. And this has happened to me multiple times, you know, over the course of, I don't know, the last 10 years or so with all the changes my body's been through. And- And to be perfectly honest, Megan, I literally just placed an order online today for some new clothes because I just know I've done it enough times. um, And we can talk about ethical fashion and all the consumption as well, because that plays into this. And and I'm I'm well aware of all of those things. But ultimately, I know when I get clothes that fit me a little better, I'm just going to feel so much better. I'm just going to stop worrying about the way things fit. Um, mm. and it will become something that's not a running commentary in my head and mm. all it, all it takes is is finding some some other things that fit so that I don't have that kind of nagging anxiety there
0: yeah that was really really beautiful and so good i really resonated with the part where you were talking specifically about like fitting into like Spanx and different things like for me it's it's jeans I you know mm-hmm. try to fit into the same pair of jeans that I've I've worn for a while and when they don't fit I'm like I need to fit back in these jeans like that's just this is the size and why why yeah, do why? I need to fit into that pair of jeans why yeah. do I force myself to fit into something that's uncomfortable yeah. instead of you know, choosing something new and choosing, choosing again. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. Hey, Hey, it's Megan here. We'll get right back into today's conversation, but before we do, I'm here to let you know just a little bit about my life coaching and creative consulting. As a coach, I work with creatives, misfits, and holy outsiders who often feel trapped in overwhelm, overgiving, and fear, but who also have a passion for doing something meaningful in the world. These folks are ready to hand back their past programming and rise as the leader of their own life. If this sounds like you, and you are so ready to start your own reclamation journey, let's chat. I invite you to book a free consultation with me at my website, megscolleen.com. That's M-E-G-S-C-O-L-L-E-E-N.com. Now let's dive back into today's conversation. Um, So you hit on it a little bit, Mm -hmm. ethical, ethical purchasing, Mm -hmm. ethical clothes, all of that, the sustainability movement. Mm -hmm. Speak to that. Tell Mm -hmm. us a little more.
1: Sure. Well, you know, I'm kind of in an evolving relationship with ethical fashion all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe really strongly that overconsumption in our society is a huge problem. I, I blame it on the advertising industry and just kind of the rise of industrialization when all of a sudden we had all these factories producing more goods than anyone actually needed. They were like, Mm -hmm. how can we get rid of these things? I know, let's make up some advertisements and tell people why they need them. And that's how we'll get rid of the excess. And it just became a monster that like fed on itself and became a cycle. Um, So I feel super strongly, I would consider myself a minimalist. I I feel super strongly that, that lots of people buy lots of things they don't need. Um, for many different reasons. And so, you know, my personal approach is to be mindful and minimalist about what I own and what I add to my wardrobe and everything has to be something that I really like and that I actually wear. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I find a lot of my clients, I mean, it happens every time we do a closet edit, we'll go through all the things they don't wear And they'll say, well, I bought this one because of X, Y, Z. And I bought this one because of this. And I bought this one because of this. And they all end up not getting worn." And so part Mm -hmm. of my big focus is to be like, why did that happen so many times? What was the contributing pattern, you know, to all those purchases and let's stop that and let's change that habit. And so I definitely feel like the most mindful thing you can do is make sure that what you own and what you buy are, are things you will actually use. Having said that, you know, I, I'm finding lately that there's a level of perfectionism that people are trying to attain with being eco-conscious and being ethical with their clothing. And and I find that's also kind of set up for um, us to blame ourselves for problems that aren't really our own. Mm. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. But basically, um, you know, we, we can't as individuals expect ourselves to be perfect and do every make every choice correctly and and use everything that is the most um environmentally conscious thing I mean we'll just again if that is our entire focus in life and for some people it might be then then okay but for a lot of us like my mental state would not sustain that (laughs) I would give myself a breakdown over like oh my god I'm using the wrong straw right now Um, Mm -hmm. so there's just a balance I think in all of it Um, and and it can be hard it can be hard to achieve but you know if people aren't aware who are listening kind of what the 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 kind of boundaries of ethical fashion are it's really about um trying to support companies that you know there are many categories that kind of make up an ethical manufacturer it's like how do they dispose of waste how do they obtain the fibers for their fabrics where are the fabrics made how do they pay their workers are you know are there Uh, safe working conditions. Um, and so if you can find companies that, you know, are doing their part in one or more of those areas, um, that's great. Another really ethical thing to do is to buy secondhand. Um, Mm. because the more we can cut down on that demand and that production, the more retailers will have to adjust their, their overproduction. And so, you know, the other thing that I always tell people to do, especially because ethical fashion can be quite expensive, um, is to think about really on the ways that you can find things secondhand. And that's a really great way to do um, fashion
0: ethically. Yeah, yeah. My, my husband, he's a motion designer, but he works primarily with climate justice kind of mm. space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know something that he's mentioned to me before is essentially like as individuals, we can do what we can do. And Mm -hmm. there's, you know, a balance in that. And then ideally the goal is to get manufacturers to get some of those larger companies to shift their, how they function, how they're working. Because even if you look at recycling, like they've put that, the manufacturers, they're just making all the stuff and they're Mm -hmm. putting that on our plates to figure out how to recycle when it should Mm -hmm. be, they're making the things they can figure out how to do it in a way that's more beneficial instead of putting it on to the consumers. Yes. Um, That's
1: exactly, exactly, exactly it. It really is. And that's intentional on their parts to say mm -hmm. like, let's, let's make it everyone's responsibility. um, And let's put this on the individual. It's a very similar thing to what happens in diet culture when um, weight loss companies will basically point to people's weight as being their fault, somehow Mm -hmm. their problem. And like, um, just putting this on, you know, and not taking into account the larger systemic problems that contribute to um, health or weight or, or any of those kind of things. And it's the same. I'm so glad you said that. It's the same thing. It's you know, with fast fashion, which is the, the production of of you know, unethically made clothes. Um, yes, we should all you know resist buying that as much as possible. But what should really happen is that governments in all these countries where these things are getting produced uh and and for certain the the governments in in the places where the items are getting sold like in the us and europe there need to be regulations on these things you know companies are they're winning because they're able to just kind of cut corners however they want because there's no one enforcing any you know boundaries for them and so yes like we can do what we what we can and we can make the best choices we can but ultimately this is like a structural problem. Um yeah. and again to take that on as one human. Um, I mean, I've been there and it really is like um, you know, kind of mental breakdown inducing.
0: <laughs> so
1: yeah. I just I, you know, I kind of want to say that just so that people listening are are, you know, understanding that like, you know, it's not, it's not possible to do everything perfectly. Um, and we can just do our best. Um, but then we yeah. also have to hold other people accountable.
0: Yeah. It's like the both. And I feel like I, I say that mm-hmm. in almost every mm-hmm. episode at this point, but mm-hmm. it's, it's just everywhere. Our world yep. is a world of both and where yep. we can take personal responsibility for what's within our power and do the best that we can within, you know, our capacity. Mm-hmm. And then there's additional pieces that ideally will shift mm-hmm. over time. Um, That's mm-hmm. the, the goal. So, okay. yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, sorry, just one more point I kind of wanted to add is that um, for me, when it comes down to a choice, and I don't think I've ever kind of put this quite so um, bluntly and I hope I don't regret it, but if it came down to a choice over someone feeling good in their clothes or them purchasing only ethically made clothes, I would want them to feel good in their clothes and good in their body because I believe that none of us can go out and do our best to change the world unless we feel good in our own skin, you know? And so if it takes someone kind of, you know, again, these are all like not perfect processes. And so you may need to buy some fast fashion things to get you through a period in your life where your body is transitioning. And, and if that's what you need to like continue to show up in the world, great. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's more important. You will learn and make, you know, different choices perhaps later on, but, but it's really like everyone's mental health um, is, you know, if we don't have good mental health, if we don't feel good, then we're certainly not going to be able to make any difference in any of those issues.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what I'm hearing you saying from that too is, like, we should not have to be punished necessarily for the, like, overarching systems that are at play i don't know if that fully makes sense but if it comes down like if you can help support your mental health Mm -hmm. so that you can then actually go out and make a difference that's a good choice that will allow you the growth that you need and the support you need and the confidence you need so you can actually Mm -hmm. make a difference but if we kind of dwell in that space of oh i can't afford ethical fashion and oh i like if we if we stay kind of in Mm -hmm. that that unhealthy space, non-beneficial space, we're not going to be making a difference. Right. And that's kind of the the whole piece of it. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of nuance in there and I there really is. appreciate you kind of having that conversation because it is, yeah. it is nuanced and there's yeah. um, lots of feelings and emotions for lots of people around that. And it's very important. Um, yeah. Yeah. So good. So <laughs> our topic for today that you have written down in our our document here is reclaiming our authentic style and the ability to wear what feels good to us regardless of external messages. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's a, actually a really beautiful segue kind of into this. So reclaiming our authentic style so that feels so beautiful, first of Mm -hmm. all, and then the ability to wear what feels good to us regardless of external messages. So I feel like Mm -hmm. we've talked a little bit about that second piece already, Mm -hmm. but I'd love if you could share about authentic style. What does that mean? How do you Mm -hmm. help people even find that? I know I personally have things I gravitate towards, Mm -hmm. but I also would not say that I'm like the best when it comes to choosing fashionable things, even though that's something I want for myself. So what, mm. what does authentic style mean? How do you help people find that for themselves?
1: Yeah. Well um, yeah. I mean, all this, all of this comes back to kind of looking at why we wear what we wear. Um, and the, the process that I go through with people is, is usually a pretty visual process. So um you know, when I used to work in person with people, which I don't do (laughs) anymore at this point, um, the pandemic kind of shut that down obviously, but um, you know, we would look at images and books and we would kind of go through lots of things and I would basically just kind of gauge people's responses to images. Um, Now, you know, I do it um, solely through Pinterest or if people just want to kind of save images from online, but but what I want people to do is to kind of start to be aware, like you said, of the things that they're drawn to, that they kind of go back to over and over. If they see an image of, they're like, oh, I just, I just love that, you know? And they mm-hmm. don't really know why, and they don't have to know why, um, but just something resonates within them when they see like a certain type of style. And what I really want people to do is to look for that feeling, that feeling of like, oh, That's so cool. I love that. Without saying to themselves, that's cool, but I could never pull that off. Mm, Or That's cool. But I work from home, so I would never wear that or that's Mm. cool. But that person is skinnier than me. And I couldn't do that. You know, if we can remove again, all those kind of voices that tell us what we can't do, I want to just see what you're drawn to just on a purely visual and an instinctual level. And so I ask people to collect all those images and sometimes when they see them all collected together, they can really like be like, wow, I had no idea. I was so drawn to, you know, this type of look or sometimes they need me to take a look at it and I'm able to say, well, look, all of these have this same type of garment or they all have these this kind of line or, oh, you're really drawn to these colors or these patterns or, oh, you're really drawn to just solids, you know, like just kind of looking yeah. through all the images and seeing what are common themes throughout the um, is, is kind of the start to that whole process. And so again, it really has to be, I mean, I can give you countless of examples of people, you know, ruling out an entire kind of aesthetic style because they felt they weren't allowed to. And it, and it's not even just women in larger bodies. I had a client one time who was, who was so petite and she had a, and this was funny because she had a Pinterest board of all very like kind of classic, traditional, um, just elegant, classic, um, style And I was like, oh, this is so lovely, I love all these things, you know, and somehow in our conversation, I was able to pull out of her that well, actually, I really love kind of like boho flowy looks, you know, I really mm. love like the kind of dresses that float in the wind and have a lot of movement. And I'm gonna, I was like, okay, why didn't you pin any of those? And she was like, well, I'm petite, and I just get swallowed up by dresses like that. So I, mm. I you know, I shouldn't wear those. And so, by doing that, she had kind of ruled out an entire kind of aesthetic category because she thought, or had been told at some point, that that wasn't a good look for her. Yeah. Um, and you know, you can be any size and wear a flowing, you know, bohemian dress, or you can take aspects of that style and and make it fit, you know, a little bit more what you are comfortable wearing. But to mm. completely rule out the whole thing because she was petite. Um, it it was really interesting. So yeah, I'm curious if any of that um, makes sense for you. If there's something that you're currently kind of drawn to all the time. And
0: yeah, no, I just, I love those examples. And it is like, I think to a certain degree, a lot of us do that. I feel Mm -hmm. like in conversations with people, I've heard Mm -hmm. that so many times, oh, I could never pull that off. And then people are like, oh, sure you could, you know, like, that's Mm -hmm. like, I'm playing in my head of like, Mm I have heard that conversation so many times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, and definitely for as far as resonating with me, it definitely resonates. I feel like there's always those styles that we find that for some reason or another, we're like, I don't know if I could pull that off. I could even reference my hair. When Mm -hmm. I cut my hair, it was very much, well, I don't know if I'm gonna be the type of person that can pull that off. Mm -hmm. Well, eventually I got up the guts to say, well, I'm gonna try it, here we go. The decision's made. And I think the thing is that I've realized with that too, so much of that is recognizing our worth no matter what.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like we put these stories around, oh, I can wear this. Oh, I can't wear this. Oh, I can pull this haircut off. Oh, I can, you know, whatever. And ultimately it's, well, am am I secure enough in me? Mm -hmm. so that I'm going to go out and just be myself. And what I'm hearing from you is like, part of what you help people do is like, as they're reclaiming their authentic style, it's getting to choose those pieces they've always wanted to wear. So then Mm -hmm. they finally get to wear that thing and they don't even realize that it actually just making that choice boosts their confidence so much because they're being more of themselves, right? Like, does that sound right
1: ultimately you know people always want to know my opinion about what they should wear and I get that I mean that's kind of like some people would think that's my job but I could honestly care less if I don't personally like your outfit but you feel like a badass bitch in it like go on like who am I to say you know what I mean and like and especially like someone who is like you know, I hesitate to call myself any sort of expert, but you know, if, if you're worried about what someone else would think it, it is, it is really hard to kind of like have that, I don't know, to have that ability to let go of that worry of what other people are going to think. And, and yeah, it is, it is something that I I think really does bring a lot of power when you're able to say like, you know what? Yeah. You know, so-and-so my aunt, when I was 19 told me you shouldn't wear prints or whatever. And then, you know, I, you know, I really love them. And so I'm going to try it out and see how it goes. You know, it's all up to you. Now, here's the thing is like, maybe you try on some bold prints and you feel absolutely like a flashing traffic light and you hate it. Great. That came from you. That didn't come from, you know, someone telling Mm. you what was right for you. So that's kind of the next step. I feel like in the, in the kind of style um, process is like, okay, let's like curate this. Like aesthetic that you are drawn to and then you have to try it you know what i mean yeah and see how it feels um and i feel like there's always a way to translate any style to any body and to any lifestyle you know like even mm. if you love like sequins and lace like you can do those you know those don't have to be relegated to certain occasions um And so that's another thing I think that people really censor themselves on is like, well, I'm just working from home and no one's going to see me. So why make the effort? And Hmm. if you don't want to make the effort, great. But if you would feel really good wearing something fun that pleases you, it's worth it just for yourself, you
0: know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love that. First. So, so for the folks that are interested in this and like who are, ready to reclaim their authentic style and the ability to wear whatever feels good for them. What three tips do you have for them?
1: Hmm. I mean, the first tip would definitely be to, um, to collect inspiration. You know, you kind of have to have somewhere to start um, on this process. And so I would say always, you know, having kind of an ongoing little like, discussion with yourself about what you like and what you like the look of, um, would be kind of the first step. I think, um, another thing that would be really important is to let go of the message that your body shouldn't change. Mm -hmm. Um, and so allowing just that that's normal, that your body will change, that you're never going to, again, with the perfectionism, you're never going to build a perfect wardrobe that will last forever. You know, um, lifestyles change, bodies change, um, your clothing needs will change over time too. And so it is okay to, to add to your wardrobe. And at the same time, maybe a third tip would be to be really mindful about the things you do bring in, you know, really ask yourself, like, is this something I'm actually going to wear and be honest with yourself, as opposed to saying, I find a lot of people are like, well, I can make it work. Or if I had the right, this, or I had the right, that it would work mm. when really, to me, those are all just no's. Those are all just deal breakers. It's like, if you're trying to make something work, it just means it's not, it's not quite right. And, and you can mm-hmm. kind of hold out for something better. So mm-hmm. trying to be really mindful about those, those things. And then along the way, knowing you're going to make mistakes and you're going to experiment a little bit.
0: Yeah. I think it should be a little bit fun, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I love that. So good. Um, Anything else here before we move into wrap-up questions? Um, I don't
1: think so. I just, this is just lovely to to talk about all this stuff. It's so fun. I enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I feel like this has just been really, I don't know, I don't think about clothes too much, but it's actually a bit funny that this like ours, of correlated i actually had a conversation with my coach the other day just talking about how to me clothes feel a bit like a a luxury that's a story that i carry for myself Mm -hmm. um so i love that we're having this conversation today and i get to kind of participate in my own reclamation of of my stories around clothes so yeah definitely
1: yeah and i i just i remember one time too um I was watching your stories on Instagram and you made like an apologetic comment about the sweater you were wearing and saying like, oh, I know I've worn this sweater in a bunch of stories. And, and I sent you a message saying like, don't apologize for that. Like, that is like, you know, that's the other thing too, I would say is like, that's one of the messages that, that we really need to let go of is that once you find what you love, that, that you have to be wearing something different all the time. Hmm. Like if you, like you, you know, we, we had a little conversation about it and you loved that sweater and it was comfortable and it works for your lifestyle. And, you know, why should we have to apologize for, for actually using the thing that we own?
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. No, it was really supportive to have you point that out too, because I really hadn't even noticed that that was something that I was carrying with me, a story Mm -hmm. that, I need to wear something different every single day, and I'd worn that one for I don't know a few days in a row just because yeah. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. Um, bought it secondhand. Yep. It's one of my favorite colors. Yep. I love it. So yep. I love that. Yeah.
1: yeah, do it. Everybody, rewear your clothes. If you got clothes you love, just wear them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, what is one way you slow down amidst our busy world?
1: Oh, Megan, this is such a hard question for me. (laughs) I I don't know if I have a great answer. I mean, I, I, I guess I would say that that right now and especially this past year, I've been trying really hard to just take walks in nature. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and just the ability to leave my house, get away from my two kids and my husband, um, is not easy. Um, and so I've been trying to do that at least a few times a week. Um, and when I am able to do that, it really does slow me down. You know, it just slows mm. down the pace of my body. I, I don't, I don't like hustle when I'm walking anymore. I try to just walk like at a pace that feels comfortable. And, you know, cause I noticed this about myself too. I would be like out there, like pumping my arms, like trying to get in like a good workout. And, and it really, for me, is not about burning calories. It's about like, it really is about slowing down. Yeah. Um, and so if my body is like, kind of like sped up, it kind of defeats the purpose. So I just try and do kind of some awareness, um, like little meditations, like while I'm out there, like, what are five things I can see? What are five things I can hear? Um, what can yeah. I smell just to really kind of, um, ground myself in the present. And, um, this all sounds very lofty and, and, I'll, you know, I'll do it like once a week. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I still have lots of work to do on it, but that's something I've been trying.
0: Yeah, I love that, that's so good. And then who are a couple of your current role models?
1: Um, this one is a tough one too, um, I have to say. Um, I, I really am jealous of women who have like a um, kind of a role model that they always look to. And of course there are many amazing mm-hmm. women in the world that are doing great things. Um, I definitely say someone that I try and emulate is Mara Glatzel. She is a coach and um, I took her program last year and she really just um, brings a sense of um, allowing yourself pleasure in kind of the activities of daily life,
0: you mm-hmm. know,
1: um, and, and, and slowing down to appreciate those and that that's been really helpful for me.
0: Yeah. I follow her on Instagram and what I, my experience of her her Instagram, it does feel very just like a lot of permission and like spaciousness. That's kind Mm -hmm. of just the essence that I get from it. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I love that. And then how can we find and support you online?
1: Well I am on Instagram at mindful closet and I love um chatting with people there. Um and then my website is mindfulcloset.com and you know, you can go there. I have a, I post a blog every week just with kind of more thoughts about these types of ideas that we've been talking about um, during this conversation. So you can really get a good sense of kind of my philosophy and, and how I approach working with people there. And if you are interested, you can book a free call with me to see if, you know, how we could work together. Yeah.
0: Perfect. I love it. So good. Um, Your site is just really refreshing too. It just made me want, it had that kind of like capsule capsule vibe and I really loved visiting it and I've checked it out a couple of times. So yeah, so good. Well, thank you so much for this conversation again. It's been really fun to chat and like you and I have messaged a few times back and forth. So it's great to actually chat with you just to hear more of your story and, and what it is you do in this world. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I loved it. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Reclamation Podcast. I hope it served you on your own reclamation journey and know that I am rooting for you all the way. If you are desiring support on your journey, head to megscolleen.com. That's M-E-G-S-C-O-L-L-E-E-N.com to learn more about me and my current coaching offerings and availability. If you want to learn more about the show guests, head to the show website, thereclamationpodcast.com. And last, but definitely not least, if you found value in the show, sharing this episode with friends and posting a quick review is always appreciated. As always, Reclamation is yours.